Hi, welcome back to Indie Spunk. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest. Last month, we had the wonderful Sarah Priebus join us for a live call inside the club. And Sarah shared some sweet wisdom about how she built her career as a working full-time actor. And now how she's starting to make her own films and how she's built her social media following to over 200,000 followers across her channels. This is such an action-packed episode. We go really deep into how you can take action, build your platform, build your social media following and build your life as a creative and as a creative that works consistently. So Sarah is an actor, a writer, a host. You may have seen Sarah on Dirty John, Two Sentence Horror Stories, The Purge, The Bold and the Beautiful, Hack My Life, Crown Prince of Christmas, Clinton Road, Inside Game, and Cicada. Tons of amazing projects under her belt. And Sarah is also currently writing and developing an original television series. Building a powerful social media following has been coming up a lot lately on our coaching calls in the club. That's why I wanted to bring in an expert to really discuss what this looks like, what the actionable strategy can be to see those numbers grow, how to use your authentic voice, how to put yourself out there. I'm so excited to get into this episode. But before we dive in, if you've been twisting about the industry strikes or you've been wanting to make a film but don't know how you'll pay for it, you are in the right place. So this is a really great time in the industry to be making your own work and to add to your portfolio. In the month of July, I'm going to take you on my micro-budge bootcamp where I'm going to show you the process that I developed for making festival-worthy short films in small timeframes with baby budgets. And to celebrate, I'm kicking off with my free masterclass, Money Doesn't Make Your Film. In this free class, I'm gonna share three actionable things you can do to make your project this summer. It's happening in a couple weeks. You can nab your spot by heading to indiespunk.com start, or simply click the link in my show notes. I will see you there. Let's get your film made, rain, hail, or strike. <laughs> all right, let's dive into the episode. I can't wait for you to hear all of this juicy goodness. I'll see you on the other side. Oh, and yes, a quick heads up. This was recorded, as I mentioned, inside Indie Spunk Club, which is a place where we have coaching calls, networking events, and bring in special guests. It's a wonderful place. You can join us if you like, but I tell you because that is why we mentioned people at the end of the call. They are people in the community who have asked questions and engaged with Sarah and myself. Without further ado, let's dive in, and I hope you have a wonderful full rest of your week. Welcome, Sarah. <laughs> we Yay, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm so excited to have you. First of all, you have just blown me out of the water with what you've been able to accomplish in your career yourself. I think that is something that's really badass about you. What was your industry gateway drug moment, if you could pinpoint one where you realized, oh, I'm hooked. I now have to pursue this. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this successful. Do you have a moment in, in your life where that happened? Oh, 100%. It was definitely in high school with that performance that you mentioned, um, because I was really going back and forth um, on whether you know, it was even reasonable to consider pursuing a career as an actor. And I had academic scholarships already to colleges and it kind of made sense to not pay a lot of money to like go to school for something that had to do with talent. And I didn't know anyone who was a working actor. I didn't even know what that meant. Like, I think at the time I just thought there were sort of like A-listers and starving artists, nothing in between. Um, 
But when I got the opportunity to perform on a Broadway stage, I sort of thought to myself, okay, well, if they think that I can do this, then maybe I can do this. And of course, like there's that energy that just comes from performing on a stage of that caliber with that kind of audience. I mean, it was an electric performance because it was literally the final performance of Les Mis on Broadway. So like the energy, I mean, if you know, Phantom recently closed and people did TikToks and stuff on all of that. So it was a similar experience. Like this show had been running for a very long time and they were doing this like past, present, future cast of Les Mis where they brought back the original cast. They did a performance with the current cast and then they brought in what they called the future cast, which I was a part of. So it was high school students that they had sort of plucked from high schools. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was magical. It was just wild. And again, I think, you know, it's really hard to believe in ourselves, but when you have other people betting on you, it definitely helps. So that was my moment. That's so true. I think mentorship is really important. Something that we talk about a lot in Indie Spunk is the the need for people around you that are cheering you on, that have done what you are doing. Did you feel like you got a little bit of that mentorship in those early days through that experience? No, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely did not feel that at all. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel it either in the early stage of my career either. I was like wishing I could have that feeling. (laughs) I think it's so beautiful that we have more of these resources these days, you know, I mean, listen, did acting coaches and mentors and things like that exist then? Absolutely. But I definitely think that social media makes it that something that's more accessible to everyone. Um, and just more people are transparency is valued more. I think, you know, back Mm -hmm. then there was still this sort of like culture of, um, got to keep things to yourself because if you share your secrets and everyone's going to know it was such like a competitive environment. Totally. And and with that as well, like how, how people feel like, especially back then that if you show that you don't know, then people are going to laugh at you or think that you're green. And so asking the question, you have kind of have to pretend like it's all shiny and good, but on the inside, you're like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> you that experience? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't, I, that, that experience was wild and without like getting too deep into it, but you know, I was cast originally as Fontaine and then, and I was going up to New York from Philadelphia every single weekend. My dad would drive me there for rehearsals and I rehearsed for like two months at least. And literally was fitted for my costume, everything. And then the week before the performance, they told me that they were going to recast and give it to someone else. And I still got to perform in the ensemble, but like, that was my first experience, like just learning how brutal this industry Mm. can be. Um, And it was a hard lesson. And I didn't really have anyone to like commiserate with like I didn't know anyone else that was even doing it close to that level so it was just like something I had to sort of like swallow and and move on and then even like you know I moved to New York I went to NYU like you mentioned and even there like I had amazing teachers but I still don't think anyone was really teaching me the business of acting like I was learning a lot about um, amazing like you know method acting and acting techniques and accents and dialects and all of these things that are great, but like, 
no one was sort of saying, hey, you should be working with the kids in the film school because they're making student films and it would be great for you to have footage for a reel. Like nobody told me that. Oh my gosh. I totally relate to your frustration on that. Through high school, I went to performing arts conservatory and it was very similar where you know, we're not learning how to take care of ourselves as business people and artists and like navigate the industry and what that actually looks like and how to take care of yourself. And that's also why, you know, ended up starting this business and why I think mentorship is so important. I felt like I was flailing for years as an actor and just kind of guessing and second guessing my gut because what I was seeing or the advice I was looking at was going against what my gut was telling me to do. When was an experience that maybe you had this feeling of, I want to go left and everyone's telling you to go right? I'm thinking most of my twenties were spent really just like building up a body of work. I would say really just like hustling around doing, you know, I think frankly, I don't even know if at the time people were telling me not to do it, but I see people telling you not to do it now. And so I'm sure that means that at the time people were sort of turning their noses up at it, but I was doing a lot of unpaid and low paid work. Um, and yeah, jobs that were just like, I don't know, I guess people would be embarrassed of. Um, however, I'm so grateful that I did all of that because it did get me the connections, the footage, the experiences, like all mm. of that stuff. And yeah, it's just, it's so funny now because, you know, I'll post my story times to social media and I'll still have like people in the comments being like, um, oh yeah, well, someone had to do, I've always wondered who would take a job like that. And it's like, <laughs> there's that certain like connotation or like shame associated with it. And I'm like, uh, yeah, why, you know, even I would even say, um, act, there are other actors turning up their nose sometimes at like certain self submissions and things like that. And mm. therefore like other actors think that they shouldn't necessarily be doing stuff like that. When in reality, like those little jobs paved the way for me to get the bigger jobs later on. And is ever anyone's path the same? No. Like, could you get lucky and go about this the traditional way, like go into a room mm. or get an agent and like skip that? Sure. But from my experience, that is not what happened. And that is not what happened for most of my friends. So um, I would definitely just say like the, the kinds of jobs that I took or accepted um, were probably things that people might have advised me against. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I love it. I feel so connected to you talking about humble beginnings in this way where you're sort of going, I'll take anything. I just want to learn. I just want to act, which I think is the best way to learn. This brings me to my question around how you have built yourself a career where you are a working professional actor full-time, where you're paying the bills and you're able to show up as an actor week in, week out. And of course it's going to look different every week, but you have built something that you can rely on, right? But it's not always the most glamorous thing. And I think that's what we need to demystify is like a professional working life as an actor isn't the most glamorous. Tell me about your experience with, you know, how it looks day to day or week to week for you pursuing, you know, a professional career as an actor. Yeah. Um, well, again, my experience like you mentioned, is not going to look the same as anybody else's. Sure. And like, yeah. I definitely have friends 
that have gone the series regular route and like they're achieving success um, on like bigger shows and stuff. But I also know firsthand from them telling me that like that will look like them working for a bit on something really cool and then not working for years and literally (laughs) all of their savings and um, not knowing what to do sort of in between or like just being like, I'm going to rely on residuals and, Mm -hmm. you know, yada, yada, yada. And so that type of career, that's not what mine looks like right now. It could at some point. Um, I don't think it actually probably ever will though, because I have worked my way up in this sort of way. So like, I think I'm just the type of person who really likes to be working. Um, so regardless of, um, does that mean I say yes to everything? No, absolutely not. And especially like, as I've grown out my portfolio and, and stuff, like if I'm busier, I'm I'm definitely going to say no to stuff. Um, however, like most of the time, like I just, I've always, my, the dream has just been to make a living full-time as a creative professional. So like, it doesn't need to be, and I don't think I realized that when I started out. In fact, I know for a fact, I did not realize that when I was starting out. And it's only been as, as this has sort of grown and I've learned more about the industry that it's become that. Um, But I would say, you know, right now, my schedule sort of looks like, like on an average day, my schedule generally looks like um, waking up and doing self-submissions on the main three. Like I go Actors Access Casting Networks backstage and I apply for anything I see on there. Um, Sometimes I'll do that twice a day to like catch later postings. Um, You know, of course, responding to emails and stuff like that. Um, I also, at this point, um, and have a pretty strict content schedule with myself. So I'm putting out like two videos a day. Um, so part of my day will probably be figuring out like, okay, what, what two videos do I want to make today? Like maybe doing a little research and getting some ideas. So I, I figure that out. Um, maybe I have some content jobs, which frankly, like I'm, I'm at a point where I actually don't really do outreach on those jobs. Like they kind of just come to me. Um, so, you know, again, when I'm checking emails, like if someone's reached out and they've said, Hey, like, we're looking for you to make some content coming up with like the storyboards for that or a pitch for that. Um, and then sort of like mapping out my day. Okay. Am I shooting any auditions? Is there anything there? Am I shooting content? Okay, great. So I'm pretty, I mean, I can't say a day goes by at this point where I am not putting on a full face of makeup and getting on camera. Like and I'm generally working, this is going to sound insane, but every day, like I work seven days a week, um, yeah. lesser on some days. Like I, the, the beauty is I have the freedom to sort of, um, delegate my time how I'd like to, mm-hmm. which for me is just like, you know, I can go to the gym in the middle of the day. I can go take a walk. Like I can figure out exactly sort of how I want to putz around my apartment. Um, but I'm, I work I work a lot. Um, but the thing is, I also really love what I'm doing because for me, making content is, it's so similar to what we do as actors. Like I like storytelling. I like conceptualizing stuff. It's fun for me. I like shooting it. I like writing scripts. I like improvising, like all of that stuff I like. And frankly, like the content job, and I know we'll get into this a bit more, like has really helped me be a better actor, a better host, mm-hmm. a better um, filmmaker, like all of those things, because I'm constantly like, making mini films essentially every single day. Yes. Um, so yeah, I would say generally that, you know, sometimes I'm on set, um, 
I don't even, I can't even put a number. People, I love when people are like, what's your booking ratio? And I'm like, I, I, there's no (laughs) booking ratio. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like sometimes I submit three auditions and I get all three jobs. And sometimes I submit 50 auditions and I don't get a single job. Like Mm -hmm. there's no way to figure that out. Um, but I'm definitely on set a couple times a month, which I'm really grateful for. Um, you know, I'm not really doing any revisions on my long form project right now. Like it's in a pretty good place, but like previously, you know, I was doing a lot of, um, you know, I was doing a lot of writing. Um, I'm kind of more at the stage of like pitching now and working with like an agent to get it around, um, Mm -hmm. in that way. Um, so yeah, it just takes different forms of, again, sort of like shooting, admin, um, conceptualizing stuff, but that's sort of what the day-to-day looks like. Amazing. It's very cool that you've been able to build that. What you just described is something that many of our community members strive for, which is this kind of full-time gig of showing up and creating content and making films and sharing your talent, sharing your art, using your voice, you know, engaging with people. And I think there is that there's two sides of that coin, right? You're talking about the creative aspects, but you're also talking about the organizational, that sort of CEO hat, that business mind where you're thinking, okay, what's next? And how am I organizing this? And the submissions and all of those things. I imagine uh, that in the beginning, what you have now was a little bit of a trickle rather than, you know, the, the faucet was not on full volume. How did you know that this was kind of working or did you just believe that no one day I'm going to get to this point where I'm working like you know seven days a week you know 15 hours a day on the things that I love to do um I've told this story on TikTok but it's a really good one so I'll tell it again please um I worked many survival jobs for many years um you know I started working in hospitality when I was like 16 years old and like literally stayed in hospitality in some form, whether I was hosting, serving or bartending um, until the pandemic, like until everything shut down for COVID. So I was always working in hospitality. Um, And then I also had jobs like nannying at a little, at certain points in time, I was, at one point I tried to get my real estate license because I wanted to get out of bartending um, so like I dabbled in all kinds of stuff, but I would never full-time creative. I didn't have the guts, frankly, to do it. I mean, also I was smart. Like I, I really wasn't making enough money. Um, mm-hmm. and you got to take care of yourself. Like it's, you know, I, I, there's something to be said for that balance, right? Like you have to leave enough energy and space to actually be able to pursue your art, but you do have to take care of yourself. So you free up energy and space to be Mm -hmm. able to do your art, because if you're stressed about money, you can't actually show up in the way that you would like. So it's it's a really tricky thing. And, and I struggled with that for, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm very public about this, but like, I was, I had a real like drinking problem in my twenties and early well not really I I got sober when I was 30 but Mm -hmm. congratulations thanks um and you know I think it's really easy in our industry to justify that um for me it was I'll just say and especially working in hospitality it's sort of like what everyone was doing so it's It's so hard not to drink in those environments yeah and if you're if you're like if everyone around me is doing the same thing then like it's can't be a problem 
but it was because it, you know, I was still going to auditions. Like I was still doing, I was showing up, but I wasn't showing up like to my fullest potential. Um, mm. And, you know, I could talk about this forever, but long story short, um, you know, I got sober and I started, things started, you know, I started obviously like my career got bigger. That's just what happened. Cause I had more room for a career and more time to dedicate to that. Um, and I just got really, you know, I think I probably could have left survival jobs a bit earlier than I did, but I was really mm. scared because I'd never done it before. And like, you know, I spent 15 years of my life relying on other jobs. Um, so it just took me a bit to get there and I was sort of forced. So what happened was the pandemic, honestly. Um, and I got really lucky and I got a hosting job, you know, a couple months into it. Um, that was an amazing, amazing job. I still, I'm just laughing about it because it's like, these <laughs> jobs just don't come along. Like right. they were paying me $11,000 a month to host, just to host this show, which is just like, wow. again, like it's just, that's it's huge. So nice. It's so <laughs> yeah. nice. And I'm very, again, if you follow me on social, like I'm very open about money and salary transparency. So that's why I'm sharing the numbers. Cause I think yeah, it's always I nice. We just too. know, like, what are people making? Like, how are they doing this? So yeah, I got really yep. lucky and I was, I booked this job and it lasted for like two years. But the crazy thing is, so I got this job my old bar that had shut down because of the pandemic reached back out to me a couple months into my hosting job. And they're like, Hey, we're reopening. We'd love to bring you back. Are you interested? And me just being money hungry, like, you know, addicted to that bar money. I was like, what if I hosted the show during the week and I bartended on the weekends? Oh man. And so that's what I was, I was contemplating doing that because I also worked, I worked at a very lucrative popular bar in New York. So like when I say the money was good, I mean, like I easily had thousand dollar shifts. Like it was crazy. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yes. It was crazy. So I could like, it was worth it for me to go in on the weekends, like work yeah. a shift and like do that. So, and also it now makes you understand why it was so difficult to like leave that. Leave the job. With. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I was planning on doing that, but I, um, one of my mentors mentorship, um, basically was like, well, Sarah, they, <laughs> they don't know that you were steal. I was steal. I had a stealing problem. Um, you know, a lot of bartenders do doesn't excuse it, but like <laughs> bartenders steal. Um, and so I, she was like, you need to tell them the truth and like make amends for your, how much money you stole in order to accept that job back. It's not, at, it's not about is this going to be too much and stress me out and I'm going to be overwhelmed? It's about, you have to actually give them the information so that they can decide whether or not they want to hire you back. Right. And I was like, that's insane. Um, but I, I did, I took a leap. I don't know what happened, oh but I took gosh. a leap of faith Good on you. And I went to meet with my manager with a check for the amount that I estimated <gasps> that I stole from them. And I told him, and he was like, Sarah, um, I like applaud your courage and like bravery because that is, that is crazy that you yes. me like this, but like, I also can't hire you back. Except, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't Fine. know, I guess I was, sh I was shocked. I was like, 
I was thinking, you know, here I am the most honest person. Now they're going to be able to trust me. Of course, they're going to hire me back. So entitled. Um, and, and said so they were Amazing. like, goodbye. Um, and I took that as a sign that mm. I needed, like that my behavior had changed, like that. I just wasn't the same person. Um, cause I had relapsed during the pandemic. So I guess I should add that piece mm. in. This was like, I wasn't the same person that was working yeah. in the bar prior. So I really took this as a sign, like, what would it look like if for a couple of months, at least I can always go back to bartending. There's a million bartending jobs. I just took a break and like, tried to do yeah. my thing. And mm -hmm. I did. And of course I had the show. So that like, of course, really helped. Like, you had I, was that cushion. I was yeah, making money, yeah. but then the show ended, um, last summer and I was scared. I was like, okay, I don't have this constant paycheck paycheck coming in, but I had been working on my TikTok content. Like I had still, I was still doing the working actor thing. Like I was still auditioning. The job gave me the freedom to do that. I had been building up my TikTok. So again, I was like, you know what, let's just see, let's just see what happens again. You, I was saving. So I was like, I could, always, I have a cushion. I could always go back. And so, yeah, that was last summer. And like, I, I have not needed <laughs> to go back. Like at first I was concerned, but like, I, yeah, I, it was just, it's been incredible. And every month I'm like this, I still have that like little freak out. I'm like, what if I don't get the amount of money that I'm, I need to make this month, but it, you know what, even if it's like a little less, the next month makes up for it or something like that. Yes. So it's all worked out. Wow. I love that story. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story. I sort of relate to you as well. When I had moved to LA, it was around 2018. And for the first few years, I was actually in litigation. I had a lawyer because there was a film that I was on that hadn't paid me. And I had moved over to the US going, okay, well, there's this paycheck coming. And it took years for it to get to me. And so I was working in, uh, and this is a story that I shared on the podcast that came out earlier this week, which when I'm releasing this podcast, who knows, you'll have to go find it. It's the live episode. But I talk about how um, I kind of had to, you know, protest for myself and get that paycheck and figure out how to do that. And I ended up hiring a lawyer and it took a couple of years. And when I came out to LA, I was like, well, I got to get a job. I have to figure this out. And I ended up working in a bar as well. And I mean, LA, I, likewise, I imagine New York, the customers are very entitled, especially when it's a really nice place. Men think they can sort of put their hands on you and say whatever they want to you. And it's very, uh, it, you know, I also, I'm just like not someone who can, who tolerates it. And so I'll speak up, which of course management did not like. So I ended up getting fired from that job. And I was so happy when I got fired. I shook the, the hand of my manager and I was like, good luck to you. He was like, okay, see ya. <laughs> Bye. Like, don't come back. And I was like, I'm not coming back. And I remember that feeling of this is my sign. I, this is not the job for me. And, you know, I don't want to do anything like this anymore. I want it to be on my terms. So I'm going to go and I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to build myself a business that's going to keep me afloat throughout the jobs and the things that I want to make in my life and the bookings and, and all of that stuff. And then the pandemic hit. And it was funny because pandemic was this sort of delineation, but I had made that choice before everything happened where, you know, everything got shut down. And some of us, I think, 
came back to ground zero, especially people like me. And it sounds like you as well, who are, I really want to work. I really want to make this work. Like, how do I do this? How do I build something? And I wonder through that, because something that I kind of struggle with Sarah is that I also work all the time, like all the time. I'm, if I'm not working on my business, I'm working on a film that I'm developing or I'm in post-production or pre-production, or I'm, you know, acting. And it's, it's not something that gives me much rest. I'm working seven days a week usually. And, you know, that's tough, but I also love what I do. However, you said earlier, you know, sometimes I can go to the gym in the middle of the day if I like, I can go for a walk if I like. I always know that I have that option, but I really struggle to choose it. Do you have a habit system? How do you get yourself in the flow of a healthy sort of work day when you know that you could be at your desk or you could be at you filming more content. There's always more that you could be doing. How do you create those pockets for yourself? And I'm purely selfishly asking because I need to be better at it. <laughs> it's so hard. And first of all, it ebbs and flows. Um, yeah. And I will say that I'm in a very good system right now, but coming out of a very unhealthy system. So I'm going to tell you what I did to sort Great. of convert that. I love um, it. But yes, it I found me. myself, I found myself like I'm an early riser. My body wakes me up every single day at 6:30, whether I like it or yep. not, what no matter what time I went to bed. And I will just literally sit down on my computer right away and start organizing. Like I there is something that I love about just like scheduling out my day. Like <laughs> yeah. so I'll just, I'll just go at it. And then I would, I was working literally until. I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. It was mm -hmm. insane. It was bad. Mm -hmm. um, You're describing I, me. <laughs> and my neck was also like, I was struggling because my neck was starting to bother me because like I have my laptop on a laptop stand, but even between the phone, the thing, like I just, something, it was not good. Um, mm. And so what happened and it was sort of accidental. Like I knew that what I was doing was not okay. But again, it's like, that weird area because what you, you love what you do. And so like, I was, I was kind of fine with it, but also like, I mean, I also just knew it was bad. Like I knew I had to take like <laughs> time to rest or do something. And I just wasn't. Um, so the thing that literally has, I it's, it's so simple. Um, one I do, I am a food person. So I do like, I do, I eat three meals a day. So yeah. I do schedule Like I do make sure I have breakfast. I do make sure I like cook myself lunch and, and I do make sure I cook myself dinner. But the thing that's really changed everything is that I schedule a workout class at six fifteen, and it's in the, so I live in Brooklyn. It's in the city. So I have to literally get up and go into the city at five 30. And so my workday ends now then because I come back and then I do I have like another thing that I sometimes will do after that. That's like, um, I'll say like kind of like spiritual or what like, you know, it's more for me. Right. Yeah. Cool. So like, but like, uh, so, so important is my end of day. And then I go to my workout class and then like, you know, maybe I'll go out to dinner with my boyfriend or I'll come back and cook dinner and we'll watch something or I'll meet friends or go to the theater. But like that has literally become the thing that ends my day. Um, mm. And it's so, it's so funny because it was purely accidental. Like one of my friends was like, Hey, do you want to go to this, this workout class with me? 
And I was like, yeah. And I was, there was something about it because it was so much about mindset as much as it was about um, like the exercise part of it that I was like, I'm going to go back. And then I've just been going back. It's a, and it's a daily thing, or I should say it's, it's a six day a week class. So it's literally wow, perfect. That's so it's, it's yeah. been great. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. I tried to get into the habit of going to a class every day as well. I joined this fantastic little gym right down the street from me. And I got super hooked on it. These like vibrating plate machines, which sounds ridiculous, but it's also like only 30 minutes long. It's like, perfect. I can, I can do 30 minute workout. I no problem. I can walk there. I'll get out in the sunshine. It'll be great. And a month into joining this gym, they closed the location and the closest one I'm in Hollywood is in Brentwood, which is like a 40 minute drive. And I'm like, I'm going like, I, I must get myself out of the house. So constantly I wake up at 6am and drive, you know, 40 minutes, which is so crazy to do that in LA, but yeah, what we, we got to do it. We got to do it for our mental health. And it helps me actually separate myself because I'm the same way. I will wake up, I will open my laptop and I will just work. And it helps so much to have a delineation, I think, because it gives us the ability to digest and to come back fresh and to also be like, you know, considering, oh, what is the shape of my day? And what, how is that going to look? The habit of scheduling things in is such a big one. Okay. I want to pivot and ask you about <laughs> this. I want you to tell me the story of, I don't know if it's the strangest, but perhaps it's one of the strangest infomercials you ever booked that had you on a bus out to Jersey. Can you tell me about that? Yes. So we had previously talked about um, self-submissions and um, jobs that, you know, paid a little bit less. So this was back in, I, don't know, I guess, like maybe seven, eight years ago now. Wow. Um, and so I, so I saw a breakdown on Actors Access. They were looking for, um, you know, a, an actress for an infomercial. And I, I really do try to approach everything from a posture of curiosity. Like, yeah, I love just to be like, oh, I've never done that before. That could be fun. Um, and so I was like, I've never done an infomercial. How silly would that be? Like, you know, you see the silly, like late night infomercials. I'm like, that sounds yeah. fun. So I applied for it and it was just a picture pull. So, you know, sometimes these things, you don't even have to submit a self-tape or an audition. They like, just look at your materials and they're like, great, you're booked. And that was sort of what happened. Um, and the way that the breakdown was listed was it was a personal cleaning product called the Shinny Hinny. Um, so I was like, great. So this, the shoot was in New Jersey. Uh, so I took a bus out there and I got there and I quickly found out that they had typed the name of the product wrong and that it was actually called the My Shiny Hiney. And it was a, a brush that cleans your butthole. It's, it's meant for, you know, Amazing. disabled or people who have like limited mobility but you know, of course they wanted like a young woman <laughs> to like be because you're the target market, of course. <laughs> so I like was like, absolutely not. I will not do this. Um, and it was like, it's apparently they're like a, they're kind of well-known actually. Cause every time I tell this story on social media or whatever, all people like, Oh, I know who that couple is. Um, so this couple, wow. They like, they shoot infomercials. Like that's their thing. They have um, a studio in New Jersey 
So maybe someone on here has shot with them before. Um, but they're, they're a little bit older and they're really sweet. And they're basically like, we're going to do it taste. They begged me to stay. They're like, we'll do it tastefully. Like you're not, you're not actually like demoing the product. Like you're in the shower and like, you're showing us how soft the bristles are on your hand, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, okay, like no one's going to see this. So it's fine. And I'll just do it. And that's what I did. No one's going to see this. Yeah. And you know, literally the opposite happened because like eight months later or something, um, the producer, the one of the, the husband from the husband and wife team, um, texts me and it's a link to the Ellen show from that day. And Ellen is showing my infomercial, um, and like, kind of like making fun of it with Kristen Bell. Um, and I was just like, oh my God, this is insane. And so whatever, I was just kind of like, I don't, okay. Um, (laughs) the next day it happens, he sends me another link and it's now Ellen with Kate Hudson. They're showing it again, teasing about the product and stuff. So now I'm like, okay, I have to try to turn this into something because like, when does this happen? So yeah, seriously, it's your face up there. Yeah. So I, I wrote on Ellen's Facebook wall that shows you, um, how long ago this was that Facebook was still relevant. (laughs) I wrote on Ellen's Facebook wall, like some cute little message about like them making fun of me, but like, I have the cleanest butt of all, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Um, and then literally the next day I was at my bartending job and I get a call, like I see an incoming call from Burbank, California. And I'm like, Oh my my goodness. And I pick it up and it's one of the producers. And she's like, hypothetically speaking, if we were to fly you out to Burbank tomorrow, like, would you be able to do that to like be on the Ellen show? And I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I'll make that work. Yeah. I can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Ellen's calling. (laughs) Yeah. And so that that's exactly what happened. I went out, they interviewed me and then they invited me back to host cat week. Um, so yeah, it was, it was wild. And it just pays to, to be humble and to show up with your curiosity and not to feel like you're above anything because look at what happened. I mean, that is what an incredible story. Was that so surreal? It was crazy. I was also so that it was right after I got sober for the first time. So Mm. I was a baby. Like I was so emotional. I was like a raw bunch of nerves. Mm. Um, because yeah. I mean, it was, I was making big life changes. And Mm. so I remember like when the producer called me and she, we, it wasn't an immediate booking. So they like, I was, it was such a wild thing because I was bartending and I would kept ducking out from the bar to go outside, to stand on the New York city sidewalk, to take these calls. Cause she'd be like, okay, I got to talk to my team and I'll call you back. And so I was like running in out of, in and out of the bar all night long, not knowing if they were actually going to go ahead with it. Um, because they just want to make sure that like, you're the right type of person that they're trying to bring on the show that like all these things. Right. Um, and I remember when she finally was like, okay, this is happening. We're sending you your ticket. And I just started crying. Um, and she was like, what's going on? Are you okay? And I was like, (laughs) yes, but like, I was, I was just so, again, it was a sign. Like to me, Mm. I was like, such a big sign, sign a confirmation. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And she, you know, this is, I think that honestly, my favorite part of, there's so many favorite parts of the story, but (laughs) one of my favorite parts of the story is she was like, Hey, like 
obviously like we're not going to make that part of the segment or anything, but would you mind if I told someone here who that would mean like a lot to? And I was like, no, like, please, absolutely. That's fine. And, but again, I will say that at the time I was not like out about my sobriety. It was very much a new thing. Mm. Um, But so when I showed up to my dressing room, one of the producers from the show came into my dressing room and was like, Hey, I just wanted to pop in and say, I have been, oof, this makes me cry. I know. I'm like, he was like, I've been sober for 20 years. I got sober in New York city. And I just wanted to say, keep doing what you're doing because your life is only going to continue to get better. Um, and it like, just, it like truly confirmed everything. And, um, it was just a special, you know, I, I truly didn't have that connection with Ellen. Like Ellen and I just connected on the, on the interview. Like I can't even mm-hmm. so what, like, she's yeah. like, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> yeah. I had this personal connection and that trumped literally anything else that possibly could have happened for me. So it was really, oh, really special. Sarah. Well, that is an incredible story. I do feel like what an amazing confirmation for you to receive at that time when you were probably going through a really tough personal experience to be plucked out of your bar job in New York City, flown to the Ellen show and put on stage and then hosting for the show as well. That's amazing. And also I know exactly what you mean when you're in those like intensely energetic spaces like the backstage of a talk show, right? Where it's all hustle and bustle and you're only there for a few minutes. So, you know, everyone's like, you go in your room and we'll just call you when you're needed. And there's not a lot of personal connection for you to have that experience where someone came in and and said that to you. That is such a confirmation. And, And we touched, I mean, very delicately on spirituality, but I do, I have this belief that the universe has our back. And this is one of those times where perhaps that you felt like, yes, I feel like I'm on the right path. I'm taking the right steps forward. Yeah. 100%. I'm so happy for you. First of all, can't believe that was eight years ago. You look the same. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. I actually even think I look so we were talking about humbling jobs and now this is going to be like the least <laughs> humble comment go on um, but I, I I will do this as an advertisement for sobriety like right. I truly do think that I have aged in reverse like I think that I've I mean if you listen to the interview my voice is completely different because I was yeah. working in the bar industry I was damaging my throat with like drugs and alcohol exactly so my voice like it's you get people are like you don't sound like the same person. And it, yes, because like, that, that's I mean, so true. It's crazy. And actually you put, you put a video up about that. Didn't you? I think that you put a video up about your sobriety and how you feel like you were aging backwards. And I yes. watched that and thought, yeah, you do. <laughs> it's quite it's amazing. So bizarre. But so anyway, so we got sidetracked, yep. but thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. So with your social following, did you feel like in the beginning when you were sort of growing things, were you being intentional about how you were doing that? Did you have a goal in mind or was this something that you started to see organic traction on from what you were simply posting and then made a, you know, uh, a content strategy plan out of that? How did that kind of evolution look? Yeah. Um, well, I will say my initial presence on social media looked very, very different from what it looks like today. Um, I actually had a moment. So my, one of my first regular hosting jobs. So this happened right after the Ellen show was not a direct result or anything of the Ellen show. 
Um, I just like to say that because people are like, oh, did this like, um, right. Got it, it, was got actually, it, yeah. it was actually a listing I saw on backstage. Um, and I got this like hosting job. That was my first salaried hosting job. Like it was amazing. Um, so I was hosting this show and I was frustrated because they were getting millions of views on their show. We were doing it on Facebook and there were millions of views every show and they um, weren't linking my social handles. And I was, oh. I was annoyed because I'm like, yeah. this three followers. <laughs> and like, I don't know why they're not doing that. <laughs> so I actually like started talking to a friend of mine who was an influencer, um, at, not even French, just like kind of someone I knew. And he was like, he was like, well, why don't you give them a reason to want to link you? Like you have to mm. sort of develop your own presence. Um, he was like, cause right now, frankly, like when I'm looking, and I'm so grateful for his honesty. He was like, when I'm looking at your, your Instagram and stuff, like, I just see like a, I don't even know you're an actor. Like there's some photos of your cat and your boyfriend and you, and like, I, I just, I don't even know who you are. Um, aside from this, like cute girl that maybe lives in New York city. <laughs> and I was like, okay. He's like, so like, why don't you start posting some behind the scenes of you hosting the show? And you know, if there's other stuff that you want to make, like get creative and start putting some stuff up. And so I really credit him to like me just starting to think about how I wanted to show up on social. But I will also say that like me showing up on social after that conversation looked very different again to what it looks like today, because I took the direction of, I decided to make comedy sketches. So I would write and shoot comedy sketches with friends of mine or by myself, but mostly with friends. Like, um, and they were, I mean, they were pieces of art. Like it was a lot <laughs> of work. Um, yeah. very little payoff to be honest with you. Like, but it was a great experience because, um, I was just collaborating with other like people who want to do similar stuff. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, my, my following did grow like very slowly, but it was growing. Um, but what happened was I had a body of comedic work now on my mm. platform. And so pretty right after that, I landed HQ Trivia and HQ Trivia blew up and they did link my social um, handle. And yeah. so when people would play that show, they would go to my Instagram. And because I had a body of work that gave them an incentive to mm. want to follow, it wasn't just like, oh, she's a random girl with a cat he's and a, a boyfriend. He's a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a girl who creates comedy sketches. I'm here. I want to watch her comedy sketches. It gave people a reason to follow. And so what then, was the number? If you, if you yeah. maybe you, I'm not sure if you remember, but ballpark, what was sort of your, your following at that point? And then how did it change? Yeah. I would say I went from, I was probably around. So when I originally I didn't really have any, I think I maybe had like a thousand followers when I was hosting that show. And then yep. when I started growing my, um, account with the, oops, sorry, when I started growing my account with, um, sketches, I would say I got it up to probably about 7,000, which is still like, again, that's great. Um, so and sketch, so just the sketches gained you 6,000 followers. Yeah. And Love then that. when HQ happened, I would say I got up to about 25,000. Um, and the last couple of years, I would say have been a really slow growth, but I want to talk about it briefly. Cause I think it's really important. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, because I got really burnt out creating comedy sketches. Like I said, it was a lot of work, 
the pandemic also happened. I couldn't collaborate with people Mm. in the way that I was and I was relapsing. So I just didn't, I didn't feel funny. I didn't have ideas for funny content. Mm. It just was like, I will also say that it, I had a little bit of like a sexier persona. And that was just because like, it was also part of like what HQ, like I was wearing, you know, nice dresses and stuff like that. So like, there was like this element of not like bikini pics or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I will say that like, it was like, I was a sexy, funny comedian. Like that was my brand. Um, and I just, when the pandemic happened and I was relapsing, I just didn't feel like a sexy, funny comedian. Like I just, it felt not yeah, you're like anti sexy, funny comedian. <laughs> yeah, <And laughs> like so sweatpants, a- drama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I took a break. Like I just took time off. Also, like it was just a weird time to be posting. I think a lot of people were yeah. like, "What do we do?" Totally um, weird. Yeah. So I took time off, and then I hired uh, when I was finally like I feeling more like myself, and I knew I wanted to do something different, but I didn't know what. I actually hired a social media coach, um, mm-hmm. and. I wasn't planning on doing it. It's funny because I was hosting the new show that I told you about that happened during the pandemic. I was always looking for guests to bring on my show and someone had recommended this girl. Um, I had her on and there was something about her energy that I just very much connected with. And I booked her for like a call um, and then ended up paying her to be my social media coach just because there was like truly like something energetically that, that spoke to me. And I loved what she was doing. And I was like, you know what? same way I want an acting coach. Like I need a social media coach. Like I just need someone yeah. to like help me. Coaches are boss. I love yes. coaches. <laughs> I was just like, I need someone to help give me guidance and yes. sort through my own Tell thoughts. it to me straight. Help yeah. me. Fix me. <laughs> so she was incredible. And like, she just helped me sort of examine the different sides of my personality and the ways that I wanted to show up on social and also show me that like it didn't have to be this like big Super Bowl production every single mm. time, which is like, I'm a perfectionist. So like, I really saw uh, This is such a big one. This is comes up all the time on our calls, right? It's not always about the big production. It's about the simple, clear, just show up how you can get it done. Is that, yeah. is that kind of how you started to move toward content creation? It was like, quick and dirty. Let's get it done. Let's just make it happen. I started with the, so when I came back on, I was doing a lot of the lip syncing stuff that was like, I wasn't even on TikTok, but that had trickled over to uh, TikTok had started during the pandemic, obviously, but I did not even get on. Cause I was just like, I'm overwhelmed with Instagram as is like, we'll just tackle Instagram. Um, so I just started doing like the lip syncing trends and applying them to whatever, like kind of, you know, again, it was just easy and it was fun and whatever. And, you know, a couple of months went by and I was, uh, my audience started to grow a little bit again, but it was weird because I wasn't quite doing the same stuff I was before. So I think a lot of people were like, I don't know if I'm interested in following this girl anymore. Right. And so yeah. it was like, I did sober content too. So like people are kind of like, what's, what's happening. And I was also like, what's happening. I don't know, but I'm kind of like, just <laughs> trying to like find, I was really just like being curious again. Right. Like I was just exploring mm. and trying different things and like showing up and trying to figure out like how I wanted to show up. Um, and once I built out sort of like enough of that content, that's when I was like, you know what I am like, I have all these reels. Like I might as well just put them on TikTok because like I've made them. So like, why not? So I did, but they were, I mean, they were really all over the place. They had nothing to do with, um, a lot of them had nothing to do with being an actor. They were more like memes and stuff. Um, but one of my friends was, I, I was, I was getting very frustrated with the, post for the pandemic after life. 
situation. Like I was like trying to figure out how to do self tapes and then getting so many self tape requests and like feeling like I was sending them into the void and just like making all of this unpaid Mm. content. And I was just like this, I was so frustrated. And my friend was like, well, why don't you make like, why, why don't you just talk about that? on your TikTok. Like, yeah. why don't you, this is so good. This is when I started following you. I think you were doing the, like, yeah. here's my audition. And then what, who actually booked the role? Yeah. So she was good. like, why don't you repurpose your content? So it doesn't feel like it's a waste, like in a way that you're allowed to in the industry. Right. Like, yeah. so yeah. Wait till it's on it. air. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Or like, if you want to shoot yourself auditioning, do it without sound, do it as a mm-hmm. time lapse, you know, like just, there's other ways to do it. But again, so it feels like you're not setting up all that effort and seeing nothing. Um, so that's what I started doing. I just also started like storytelling about my frustrations or like things that have helped me. And um, before I knew it, like I had a video that took off um, where I was showing the entire process of what it looks like to be an actor in the pandemic when you're getting yep. 10 pages, we were getting 10 pages of sides for a movie like having to find a zoom reader, having to be your own, like lighting, blah, 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 blah. And so I made a whole post about that showing as much of the process as I, as I could. And mm. it went viral. Like it was the first, like very viral video that I had. And I was like, okay, I think there's something here. And so that's sort of when I continued to play within that space. Um, and it was like, it was therapy for me. Like it really it was like, I it just, again, it made me feel like all my efforts in acting weren't for naught and that like, I could just, um, have a, a place to put that. And then, you know, I, ha- I, my, my followers are both actors who identify and relate also actors who aren't quite as far along and want to learn, um, mm-hmm. and see what it looks like. And then people who have nothing to do with acting. And they're just like, I they're have never seen yeah. what this looks like. Um, so it's really, it's been incredible because it was sort of an accident, but it was just like, it was experience, you know, there was an evolution. I was always putting in work towards my social, but I didn't necessarily know what that final result was going to look like. It's wonderful to hear you talk about the length of time and the way things evolved. Something I always want to underline when we have these conversations with our special guests is the amount of time and experimentation things take. I think there's a, you know, in the beginnings of a career, you might think, oh, this is great. I can do it and it'll just happen and I'll go viral or I'll make my film and it'll do really well and I'll be a household name in in no time. And it's, the, it's the building blocks. It's the steps along the way that make the biggest difference. And it does take time, which is why I think it's interesting to know that your first real true viral video didn't happen until years and thousands of followers into your social experience, social experience, social media experience. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many years was that? Or when, yeah. How, how, how long did it take for you to have that experience? from when I actually started making yeah. stuff and intentionally showing up. Um, I would say we're talking four to five years. Yeah. Well, see, it takes time. And the other thing is this, and I would love to hear from you on some tips that you would have for other, you know, actors, creators, how to kind of show up authentically. It sounds like one of them is just 
throw spaghetti at the wall. Just try and let people in on your process. Let people in on your thoughts and your feelings and your frustrations. People want to hear from you. What are some other tips that you would love to give people? I know we have people in the club, in Indie Spunk Club, and also listening as, you know, the podcast audience who have struggled with how do I authentically show up? How do I know what to post? What do I do when I have nothing or no ideas or I don't feel inspired? What does that look like? What are some tips that you could give us? Um, Yeah, I definitely think one of the biggest tips that have helped me is to pick something that you could talk about forever, like that you're an expert on whether, and that could be your life. Like maybe it is just commenting on your life and everything like Mm. who knows like just something that you feel like you yeah you're not gonna like I just when I think that like I don't have any more acting content to post like (laughs) the thing is like it's not even while I do call it like working actor life the keyword is life like there's so much like working actor life isn't just on set like people still want to know okay what's it like to like age in this industry and then I get to talk Mm -hmm. about okay what do I yeah what what does that feel like that's a post what are the things that I do to um, make myself feel like I'm marketable? Like, you know, like it just, it goes beyond. Um, I live in New York City. I can make New York City theater. Con- like there's so many um, branches out of it. Um, so like, but again, I, so I think one thing is like, find something that you're truly passionate about. Um, and, and, you know, maybe it's just like a random thing because these days, like there is a niche for everything Everything. and I'm not, you don't have to niche down. I'm also not saying you need to do that, sure. but like, if there is something that you're like, I read like the most, um, crime thrillers of anybody in the entire world. Well, mm-hmm. great. Like there is, Talk I'm telling it. you, like, there's a place for that. I-, I love that you're saying there's this niche for everything. And also, you know, to hear you talk about you're a New York City local and what it's like as an actor in New York City. And if you're listening and you're not a New York City local, where are you a local? What does your immediate environment look like? What, how can you let us in on what it means to be a remote actor in a smaller town or in a smaller market or talk about those frustrations? Because I think that that's all interesting too. It doesn't need to be this big city. It can be, what does it look like for you in the pursuit of your creative dreams, the films that you're making, the ways that you want to be seen in the world, the the things that interest you and have them not always be about acting. And that is actually a strength as well. Yeah. And I think experiment 100% with, again, like you don't have to pick your topic right off the bat. If you're not sure, and you don't know what's going to resonate with you, like try everything, like make content about everything and try different forms of content and try different forms of content with the same topics. So, um, you know, you might do a straight to camera storytelling thing and it doesn't do great, but maybe you transform it into a vlog. It does do great. Or maybe you, again, want to simplify the whole thing and you just do a time-lapse of you setting up your self-tape audition and you put some text on the screen, um, talking about again, like why should people care? You know, I never thought that, um, I was going to be able to you know, put myself on tape because I couldn't speak as a child, like whatever, like find the reason people are going to care about it instead of just being another actor or another, whatever, like, why are people going to root for you? Why do people want to know this? Is it, I think it's that mix of entertainment and education. So like edutainment. So it's like providing value, but also keeping them interested in you, Mm -hmm. your life. Um, so 
because people are always going to share and save content that is teaching them something because they, they want to learn. Um, but then also, again, you have to give them a reason to like, want to learn from you or care about you. Um, so it's just like, again, just sort of like experimenting with the different types. I mean, honestly, watch, watch TikTok, watch Instagram, see what other people are doing, get inspired, be like this. I have a great idea. Like a lot of my stuff these days is like, scrolling through there's certain creators that I just like love and I know that they're either on top of trends or I just like the way they see within their niche and they're they're probably not even actors like it's just people that are in another niche and I'm like oh I'm gonna adapt this as an actor talking about this topic right and so I think like watch stuff get inspired by other Mm. people and then like make it your own I love those tips something that has happened recently for me is that I I had not previously been on TikTok and you know, people telling me, get on TikTok, get on TikTok. You already do the videos on Instagram, just post them on TikTok. And I felt likewise, you know, oh, I don't have time. Like there's time for another social media platform to be on. But something that that happened when I did join TikTok, which was like a month ago, I don't know, it was very recent, is that because I'm not pursuing it like I am with Instagram where I have my audience and I'm talking to the people very specifically and I care about that community so much. The same thing isn't the case on TikTok right now. So I've found myself in this kind of like free place where, and TikTok is different. It is really different because you don't need to have that baked in followership to be able to gather an audience. And also the things that they're promoting and that they're interested in on that platform are very different to what they're interested in on Instagram. So you can show up, be really messy, be really kind of unpolished. It seems to me like you just show up, you do something, you see what happens. And the things that are really polished of mine that are on TikTok don't crickets. But when I just have been like, okay, I'm just going to talk to you. And here I am talking. Uh, you can go and see my really dorky videos at Indie Spunk on TikTok if you want to do that. But because I don't have any followers there yet, I don't care. And so I'm just like, okay, let's just see what happens. And I think that experimentation and coming to our social media with a beginner's mindset really helps. It's something that I've pulled back into for my Instagram content. Okay, let's have that beginner's mindset. Let's not worry too much about, oh no, you might lose followers or whatever, because we want to just continue to experiment. And that's what I like about you as well. You have this following and it's growing, but you're not afraid to experiment. And that is also a big skill. Does it feel the same way? Do you still feel like you're allowed to experiment, that you're allowed to kind of try things? Or do you feel a sense of restriction now that it's growing? You know, those numbers are kind of increasing every week. Mm, I, well, first of all, I think what you said is so important. And I think it's the reason I succeeded on TikTok is because I just, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I didn't care. And also I didn't know anybody over there. And like, frankly, I still don't really know. Like, I mean, I know my TikTok community, but it's very different. Like it's not friends and family. It's so I would say embrace the, like do the cringeworthy things. Like that's the other advice. Like literally, (laughs) like it does not matter. Like it it really, it it doesn't matter. Like, and over there, in fact, it's like more welcomed, like Mm -hmm. a better chance of you succeeding if you are more raw and authentic and messy. Um, so like, it's a perfect place to play. And like, we should like, as actors, we always should be playing. Like yesterday I changed up my process and self-taping because honestly, like I I've been getting a lot of auditions for films and I'm not booking and I'm like, what is going on? I'm getting the auditions, but I'm not booking. Mm. And I, I know I'm a good actor. So like, what's the, and they're, they're calling me back. So clearly like 
it's good enough, but like, what's, what's holding me back. Yeah. And so I just like used it as an invitation yesterday. I'm like, I got to change up what I'm doing and try something different because this, whatever I was doing was okay, but like I can do better. I think I can do better. Yeah. And so you get, you can do the same on like adopt the same mentality on social media. Like it doesn't have to be anything. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, as I've sort of found this, I, I would definitely say that there's pressure there to stay within my niche. Like it, it is a little weird for me to just like post like a random cooking video, let's say like right. I wouldn't, probably wouldn't do that. Um, but that being said, there's still room to play. And it's something that I've been, I've just frankly been too busy. Um, but it's like been on my list of things to do forever. Yeah. Like I want to weave, I actually am ready to weave back in some of those elements of comedy that I used to do, but like after comedy and, and anything, I mean, like the beautiful thing about being an acting influencer is that like, I can just act and you that is anything. within my yeah. niche. Like <laughs> yeah. I can literally just like reenact scenes from TV. I could do it, like make a scene up. Like it's just acting. So it doesn't really matter. I just like, haven't had the time to, I, I want to make sure the writing that I put up is decent enough. Like it doesn't need mm. to be perfect, but I, I just, ha I literally, blessed, but like I haven't had a time yeah, to do the stuff that I want to do, but I have like, I've already thought I'm like, I want to play within this space again. I feel like to get to that next level of su success, to be honest with you, because I think TikTok's hard now. You can't like, if you're a mm -hmm. new, I'll, let me separate this. If you're a new creator on TikTok, there's a lot of potential to grow quickly. When you've been on TikTok, um, especially those people who started right at the beginning. And that's not me either. I'm like somewhere in the middle, mm -hmm. um, their engagement. A lot of them is terrible now because a lot of the people who came on originally to follow them are not like engaged with their content anymore. Maybe they're not even mm. on TikTok anymore. So they're not getting into the algorithm as much in their engagements. Like it's just hard. It's very difficult to grow. Mm. And I'm kind of at this place where like, I'll grow, I'm growing slowly. So it's fine. Um, and then sometimes I'll have something that will shoot me up a little bit. Um, but in general, like my engagement's definitely not what it was when I first started. And that's been its own like lesson where it's like, how do you not um, tie your self-worth to the views, right? Like, mm -hmm. how do you just say, okay, I'm still okay with this piece of content that I put up, like, and it has a purpose of being there. Um, so that's, you know, been its own thing where I've just been sort of getting used to being uncomfortable, yeah. getting less um, views. And it's, it's definitely better. Cause I have to remind myself at the end of the day, I'm not trying to be a TikToker. I mean, if I became a TikToker, I wouldn't be against it, but like, that was not my goal yeah. ever. Mm -hmm. So like, it's already achieving the goals that I had in mind when I started TikTok. And so I have to remember that, like, that's actually all I need. Um, yeah. but yeah, I've, I recognized that for me, in order to level up again or grow, I, I am going to have to re-experiment. Um, so it's just about finding time to do so. Yeah. Um, and I think like at this point, I just have like the types of content that I create so nailed down. Like it's so formulaic that like, what are they? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a couple different series. Like there's the one where it's every Sunday I go through every single audition job booking I had the previous week without I obviously do this without saying what the actual things are. So it'd be like, oh, I auditioned for uh, a SAG film. It pays this, it shoots here. It's a lead role, right? It would be mm. like in a very vague sense, but so people can sort of, it's honestly been, again, it really helps me because 
anytime I'm like, oh, I didn't really do a lot this week. I make that video journal and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're oh like, oh, gosh, I did a lot. Are you psychotic? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? That sounds like it would be good for my mental health, actually. <laughs> yeah. And people love, people love that series. It's so funny. They do. Yeah. Um, so I do that. And then I do my audition versus the final spot, which is like, again, sort of taking old audition videos and comparing to them to the person who did book. Um, I do vlogs of days on set, um, be like behind the scenes. And then I do story times. Like those are pretty much my buckets of content. So my story times will be like, get ready with me while I tell you either like, get ready with me to audition for X, Y, Z, or get ready with me while I tell you about the time that the director did this, get ready with me while I tell you like how sobriety's impacted my, um, acting career. Like, Mm -hmm. so those are, but those are my basic buckets of content. This is great. I want to underline that for everyone listening, the content buckets, because I think there's a lot of confusion around, well, what, what exactly does it mean to post? Like, what should I post? How to do less thinking around what you're posting and put them into categories for yourself. Because I work with mostly filmmakers, actors who are making their own work as well. And when it comes to talking about their stuff and wanting to build their own um, profile on social media and talk about more of their process and talk about the projects that they're making and do that authentically and feel really, you know, good about how they're putting themselves out there authentically. Coming back to content buckets will be a big one following up your curiosity, thinking about, you know, what's in your immediate environment, what your day-to-day looks like, what the things are that you're interested to talk about, and then figuring out how you can actually post about them in a format. So the content buckets, I think help a lot to nail in and really figure out, okay, I've got, you've got these three series. No, not everyone needs to do three. Maybe you want to do one or five or whatever it is, but nail one first start with one. Like what is one thing that you could show up and do every single week that people could start to be reliant on that piece of content coming out once a week? A really beautiful, actionable nugget for everyone to take away from this. Sarah, you're developing a television show. Tell me about that. You have an agent currently pitching it out. Tell me about that process. Yeah. Um, I firmly believe that I will, I don't want to say firmly believe, no, firmly believe um, (laughs) that I am not going to quote unquote, get my big break through the traditional, um, go into a room, get cast. Like, are you speaking from my brain? Like this is me. You, you, this is exactly what I have said my entire career. I've always said this, like, I know it's going to be on my own terms. (laughs) Yeah. There's just no way. Like it's never, you know, I, I do audition in that way, but, um, I, I know what that, I know what that looks like. And I, the chances of that being the thing, it's just so unlikely. Um, which is one of the reasons that like, I'm like, okay, maybe social media will leave me there, but also maybe writing my own show in which, um, I'm just so excited about the character and the story, um, is the way. And so, um, right before the pandemic, I linked up with, um, my writing partner and we decided to be writing partners because we shared a similar story. Um, Mm. and so when we realized this, we're like, there's nothing out there that there, this, this story hasn't been told yet. Um, so we basically decided to write it and 
we were, I mean, we've been working together now on it for four years um, and rewriting and rewriting and we've done Zoom table reads and all, you know, all the things. Um, and yeah, it's finally in a place that like we're, we're excited. You know, we have our, our pitch deck, we have our pilot, um, we have like our series outline, all that stuff. Um, and I have been fortunate enough to have a couple like mentors within the industry that like I've gone to and been like, okay, so what now, what do I do with this? And what do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, and it comes, it's the same thing as acting. Like there's not a one thing will get yes, you there. Absolutely. Experience. So <laughs> yeah. the same way with acting, it's like, now I'm doing the whole, like throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I happen to know someone pretty high up at a, a production company that would be perfect for this so I finally when we were ready like reached out to him directly and was like hey would you be willing to have your development team take a look at this um he did we got great feedback now we're in a state where (laughs) so it's like a chicken and the egg scenario because they're like we love it you and your writing partner are unknowns and so the third lead would need to be a star so can you get some star names attached to this project Mm -hmm. so like now so now like we're trying to do that um and I got linked up or I linked up with this rep who actually was following me on social media, who it was the first time in my life where somebody reached out to me to rep me. Um, and that was Hell an amazing yes. experience and yes. she's been fantastic. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was the first time where I literally, now I have someone like pitching me, like she'll see a series mm. and a role and she'll like send the casting director an email and be like, Hey, Sarah would be great for this role. Um, have you seen her stuff? This is what she's been in, blah, 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 blah. She'll follow up on my self tapes for me and, and see if the project's been cast or if there's feedback. And it's just like, wait, that exists. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. So she's been, and so, you know, does she have experience? Like, and she's very great. I will say she's I got lucky. She's like, she's been working with an agency that's been around forever, but she's mm-hmm. young and she got the green light to start hip pocketing clients. And sort of that's what's happened. So it's like, mm. he's eager and it's a great fit for me because I'm eager. Um, so it's like, she's hustling for me. Um, and that means like, yeah, she's sending out basically her script and our deck to our list of names that now we're just trying to get people to read it, trying, trying to get LOIs, but it's a similar situation where they're like, Oh, okay. Well, what's the, is there an offer? So we're just going back and forth on navigating this process. We're trying not to shoot anything, uh, but we will, if we have to, but I just, uh, the advice that I've been giving is if we can try to shop it around prior to shooting anything, do it that way. And I do feel like we're we have enough of, we have puzzle pieces. So it's just traction. timing yep. and traction. Yes. And timing, right. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is a few of these takeaways, which I think perfectly wrap up all of these things that we've been talking about, which is build your following authentically. It takes time, but just show up with your curiosity and be consistent and using mentorship like you did with you know, these different avenues in your career, Sarah, mentorship is such a big one because it helps us figure out where our blind spots are, know what comes next and build ourselves a game plan. And you sourced a story, uh, you sourced a narrative from your own story and developed that with a writing partner and you've used your own contacts and your resources. 
all things that we champion at Indie Spunk. And I think really important for everyone to take away that anything that you want to do in this industry, in this career and build for yourself is fully possible. Just putting the building blocks in place is what needs to happen. And yes, it takes time, but you can have everything that you want to have in your career. And I think that's, you have really truly expressed so many of the values that we have in this community. Um, So thank you. Thank you for sharing all of your stories. Yeah, no, it's, I'm glad people want to listen. I hope it helps someone. I think it's going to help a lot of people. We have a question from Indie Spunk Club. Sonia has asked, how did you go about finding paid partnerships for your content early on? Um, I did not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, you know, it was like, it did feel at first, like I was doing just a lot more work for again, no payoff. Like I, Mm was just shooting a ton of stuff. And it was a long time before I got paid partnerships. Um, I will say there's a couple of um, platforms that you can use to get paid partnerships. I've had a little bit of luck with them. Um, I made a post about that. So honestly, I'm like off the top of my head. One is called Activate. Um, The others are escaping me right now. But if you go on my TikTok, there's a playlist at the top called UGC. And if you click mm. on that, um, there's, there's a, a list. I have a, I have a post on like lists of websites that I've used to find partnerships. Mm-hmm. However, I will also say that some of my partnerships did come organically from making certain videos. So for instance, like I told a story last summer about how, oh, this one hurt. Um, one of my agents reached out to me and, uh, she had a, an influencer. So I'm not repped for social media, but like for a moment I was dabbling, like freelancing with this agent. Um, and so she reached out was the first thing she had reached out with ever. And she was like, and it was a huge job. It was like a $40,000 job. Um, and she was like, so it's for a wine activation and they would need you to, you must, one of the requirements that is that you had to drink. And I was like, a, oh. how do you not know from my platform that I am that literally I, the wrong, yeah, wrong gal <laughs> for this? Like, I was so like, you, the first partnership you come to me with, like, it's so unheard of to ever see anything that's like, we require Honestly. you to drink. But like the fact that it was like literally the first thing, it was such a big thing. So I made a video about it because I was just like, this is crazy that I'm losing out on a job because I don't drink. Like, I just thought it was so bonkers. Yeah. And like, I get it. If you're a wine company, um, having a sober influencer probably isn't the move, but to come out and say, um, we don't, you have to drink is just a weird thing to me. So I made a video about that and I got a couple partnerships out of that because I had non-alcoholic brands said yes. like, basically like you shouldn't lose out we on want you. We commend yeah. <laughs> you for not drinking. So I got two partnerships out of that right. one video. Um, which was not my intention at all. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I would say like, mo- again, aside from the partnerships I've applied for, the other ones have come organically through me making acting content. Like it's yeah. just, I got reached out to by, I mean, I work with Backstage now regularly every single month and um, I'm about to start another partnership with another very well-known brand in the Amazing. acting world. Um, and so like, that is just because 
I exist um, and in this realm on the internet. Um, and that's, that's also to circle back to something you said earlier on, give them a reason to tag you, give them a reason to repost. That is such beautiful advice because it takes the pressure off of them to decide whether or not they want to work with you. You decide, I like this brand, so I'm going to talk about it organically because it's just part of my wheelhouse. Like I love skincare. And so my press, my publicist, uh, who is wonderful, is like, we'll just post about the skincare that you like. And then we'll just keep nudging them to see if we can get you guys together and brand like a partnership there because it has to start with you. Like you have to be the one that's posting about things that they would want to align with. So the fact that you're open about your sobriety and then talking about this opportunity as, you know, potential spokesperson for this wine company saying, well, that's, you know, not for me. And here's why suddenly attracts you to these non-alcoholic, you know, companies. It's, it's the chicken or the egg. You have to be the beginnings of attracting those paid partnerships. I think you're, uh, that you make a really great point. So I, you have to tag, so if you're using brands or you're excited about brands or products, like just tag them, like you don't need to get paid for it. Like just talk about it organically. You'll build trust with your audience. Um, and people will start to see, and brands will start to see, like, you never know. I had a friend, um, actually he got new glasses. There's only a number of glasses companies, so you can probably guess Mm -hmm. which company this is, but he got new glasses. And he like did a, he did a little bit on his stories. It wasn't even, he didn't even have a following. He had less than 10,000 followers. Um, but he did a cute little bit on his stories about like when you get new glasses, what it feels like. And he did these like ridiculous little characters. It, again, it really, it wasn't even a real, it wasn't a full post, but he tagged them and they asked for him to make it into a video. So then he got paid for that piece of content. And then he pitched them on another video and made, so again, it's like, you can make your own opportunities. Yes. You just have to, and you don't need a following, especially like in this world of UGC that we now live in. So like maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't ever live on your page. Maybe you're just making content for the brand itself because they like the piece of content that you put on your page, but they don't want to pay you because they don't want to pay you for your following because you don't really have a following, but they want to pay mm. you for your ability to make content. Yes. What a perfect story that exemplifies that exact piece of advice, which is give them a reason to repost. So smart. Okay. We have time for one last question. We have one more question from Indie Spunk Club. Catherine asks, Instagram pages usually have a strong branding aesthetic. Do you think that's necessary or helpful to pay attention to as a part of your strategy? And I imagine that's also like the strategy of just getting going as well, like building that following? Is that something that's really important in those early phases or is it important the whole way through? I, so I'll say this, I wouldn't stress about it. Like if we're talking Mm. curated feed, need of a really pretty grid, um, I don't think that's important. Um, What I do think is like getting clarity on how you want to show up and like what you who you are on the internet. Right. So like, and again, like that might not be clear at first and that's fine. So like, you don't have to decide that right away. But I think like, once you do start to hone in on that a little bit, like making sure, um, yeah, that you're, you're posting within those, I mean, it honestly, it just helps you get clear on the types of things that you want to be posting. Um, because you, you know what you post and then therefore, if you know what you post, 
brands are going to understand what you post. Um, so just making mm-hmm. sure that like your bio is, you know, saying exactly what it is that you're seeing down below on the grid. But I don't think that like a perfectly curated feed, like you see the Instagram comedians even that are out there, like you look at any of their feeds, like they're sloppy. They're just like, I totally screenshots. Agree. like it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. Like, sure. Is there room if that's what you want to do and you like it, there's plenty of mm-hmm. um, influencers that like have success in that way. And like, don't get me wrong. When I see someone's like cute little organized feed, I'm like, mm, that looks nice for them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do the best that I can and I don't get too yep. hung up on it. Um, because at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters all that much. I think that it was something that mattered a few years ago. I remember there was really a strong push for aesthetically pleasing and everything perfectly organized on the grid and, and paying attention a lot to the aesthetic, but I totally agree with you. I think things have trended towards that taking messy action, putting yourself out there, that authenticity again, you know, we want it to like, you know, look and feel good. We're filmmakers, we're artists. Um, but I do think that it's not the most important aspect of building yourself an organic, authentic brand. Yeah. Nobody's going to hire you because you have a perfectly curated feed. They're going to hire you for the content behind the feed. Oh, beautiful. What an amazing conversation, Sarah. I honestly feel like I could talk to you for a really long time about all of these things and more. I think that you're so wonderful. I have all the lovely things to say about you. I really appreciate how diligently you have built your career, what you have done to put yourself in positions of gathering opportunities and putting yourself out there and pitching yourself. I think that it's really smart. So much of what we do here at Indie Spunk. And also, I just can't believe you said, I feel like I'm not going to be successful in, in a traditional, on a traditional route, because that has been something that I have said for my entire career. And also is the reason I started this company. I feel like there is so much more we have to give as actors, as filmmakers, as creators, as artists, that isn't just waiting to be picked. So doing it for ourselves, building that following, using our resources and putting ourselves out there and just saying, hey, it's okay if I have five followers, a hundred followers, a thousand followers, or a hundred thousand followers. I'm still allowed to show up authentically talk about what's interesting to me and make work and get myself seen and use my skills. So I think you are just the perfect embodiment of all of those things. Thank you so much for having, for having us (laughs) and being here with us. And thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. That's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And just a reminder that my free class, Money Doesn't Make Your Film, is happening in a couple weeks. You can nab your spot. It's a free masterclass. I'm going to teach you three actionable strategies that you can take today, this week, this month to get your film made this summer, this year. I'm talking right now. All three of the strategies I'm going to teach you in this masterclass are going to help you get your mindset out of thinking that you need a big budget to make your film. This is going to help you make your film regardless of the budget. Very actionable steps. So come along. I can't wait to have you. You can nab your spot at indiespunk.com start or click the link in my show notes. You'll get taken straight there and you can reserve your seat. I cannot wait to see you. It's a live class. It's going to be amazing. I hope you have a fabulous spunky week. Okay. I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>